episode of The First Incision, a CMF podcast where we look at topics at the interface of faith and medicine and nursing that affect our Christian lives in today's world. I'm your host, Steve Fouch. Now, we hear a lot about corruption as a scourge, particularly affecting developing countries, but we often assume it's not something that close to home for those of us living and working in the West. But the reality of medical corruption and conflict of interest affects everyone working in healthcare in every corner of the world. Joining me today to explore this complex topic is Dr. Marius Unguriano. Marius. First of all, thank you for having me. Um, I work in uh, the city of Cluj-Napoca in Romania in the Department of Public Health at the Babish Boy University, where I'm doing uh, teaching and research and also serving as director of education for our uh, bachelor and master programs in public health. Right. So what got you interested in the subject of medical corruption and conflict of interest? Oh, um, that that was um, uh, more or less a, a coincidence. Um, I'd like to believe that it was another kind of coincidence. Um, I've always been interested and passionate about how health systems work. Um, I have to say that I'm, I'm trained as a medical doctor, although um, I, I um, have given up uh, clinical uh, practice after finishing my residency training. Uh, but I've always been interested in how health systems work. And um, growing up and, and working in Romania and getting to know the Romanian healthcare system, um, one of the things that you get to um, experience and uh, to interact with is corruption in, in the health system. And um, so right after I started working with the um, uh, Department of Public Health, uh, by, type, by, um, by that time it was called uh, Center for um, Health Policy and Public Health, um, I had the privilege to work in a research project that was um, uh, dealing with um, informal healthcare payments. And so that was back in 2010, and um, I worked on that project for um, uh, a couple of years and then got interested um, in that because I could see that it is not limited to the Romanian healthcare system and that the um, uh, the effects of corruption in healthcare are, are tremendous and it is a huge barrier to um, uh, health systems functioning properly. Well, could you say a little bit more about that then? How, how does uh, medical corruption affect? Well, in fact, let's go back a step and say exactly what are you talking about when you talk about corruption? Because I suppose most people think about bribes or about um, you know, people doing favours for colleagues or friends or, uh, you know, that sort of level of thing. But it's a bigger subject than that, isn't it? Uh, could you explain a little bit more about what medical corruption is and how it how it works? What sort of levels does it uh, function at? Yes. Um so the, the uh, Transparency International is defining uh, corruption as the abuse of entrusted power for private gain. So that is that is very broad because, um, as you are saying, um, corruption takes a lot of forms. And uh, not only does it take a lot of forms, uh, generally speaking, in, in um, um, all sectors, but it, it does take a lot of forms um, in the healthcare sector. And, of course, uh, we can uh, speak about uh, different levels or different extents of corruption. But um, as you rightly mentioned, we can speak about uh, uh, bribes or how they're called in um, in, in the scientific literature, um, uh, informal healthcare payments, or um, uh, accepting 
money from um, uh, companies which um, um, are placing bids for specific services um, or uh, paying bribes to um, officials or, or people in uh, high positions. So um, they, they are really uh, uh, touching um, many aspects or many components of the health systems and um, at various levels. Now, obviously, a lot of people listening to this from the UK will be thinking, yes, but that happens in other parts of the world. It doesn't really affect us directly. But there is a t- it, not quite corruption, is it? But there is a there is another issue that affects a lot of a lot of countries, which we call conflict of interest. And, and I know you've been working on a paper with um, with a Christian Medical Fellowship in the UK for the last two years. What have we been uncovering about what medic, um, conflict, uh, conflict of interest in medicine actually means? Yes, that, that is right. So uh, we we speak about conflict of, uh, of interest in, in in medicine and in the healthcare sector, and of course it it is quite um, related to corruption. But specifically, what, what um, a conflict of interest means is uh, those circumstances when um, one's decisions can be um, influenced by uh, another interest that they hold. And so uh, most of the times when we speak about conflict of interest in the healthcare sector, we um, uh, speak about this um, in relation to the pharmaceutical industry. Of course, it is not um, limited to, to the relationship with the pharmaceutical industry, but um, um, most of the the, the um, instances when um, we speak about how um, corruption, um, conflict of interest is in, in this regard. So um, there are uh, payments that are um, um, uh, being done by the pharma industry to um, facilitate some uh, types of treatment. Um, also, um, you can, I, I mean, uh, research is really interesting because there, there is research um, showing that um, even those, um, uh, you know, um, pens uh, that are offered by um, pharmaceutical sales representatives, they have been, there is research that shows that they have increased prescribing. So, Yes, of course, we can uh, speak about uh, those payments that um, uh, the industry is making to health professionals for attending uh, specific events or for uh, traveling to uh, um, uh, professional meetings. Um, there is um, also the, the instance when um, the industry um, in, in its various forms pays for continuous medical education. And um, there, there are some countries where that is uh, prohibited. However, um, uh, there are still countries where that where uh, that is permitted. And um, as a matter of fact, I have seen recently um, um, a position paper that was endorsed by um, uh, many organizations in Europe, uh, including CPME, um, that is um, uh, requesting um, to to have a stance taken in in the regards of uh, uh, the industry's involvement in continuous medical education. So this really it permeates everything, really, from 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 educational establishments to prescribing habits to ha- our sort of ongoing professional reaccreditation and development. It's it seems to be everywhere. That's right. That's right. So are Christians, Christian medics, Christian health professionals dealing with this better, do you think, than in the wider um, professional context or are they just as prone to get caught up in it? Um, well, 
to, to begin with, uh, I do not believe that um, chances for um, a, a Christian medical professional to be exposed to corruption are um, in in any sense different than uh, a non-Christian medical professional, as long as they work in um, uh, similar uh, facilities. Of course, if we speak about um, uh, different um, institutions or different facilities, um, if uh, say uh, they work in a, a foundation or a, 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 a Christian establishment, Christian healthcare facility, um, then of course things might be different. But if we assume that we have um, um, similar uh, facilities or, or um, a hospital where you have both Christian uh, professionals and non-Christian professionals, um, of course, chances are to to deal with that in in uh, more or less equal manner. Um, I believe that uh, the difference um, may come with regards to how that is being um, managed at an individual level. And of course, we as uh, Christians um, are equipped with, with a lot of um, uh, knowledge and a lot of tools to, to manage that, um, starting with uh, how we uh, try to um, expose or uh, not expose ourselves to, to uh, situations that are likely to lead to corruption or how we manage situations in which we've been exposed to that. For instance, we've been offered um, uh, a bribe. And um, I, I, I'm happy because I, I know the situation in Romania um, uh, the best as compared to um, uh, other countries. So um, knowing the situation in Romania, I'm, I'm really proud to see that um, um, my fellows, uh, Christian uh, doctors and nurses and health professionals, are are really taking a stance and, and not accepting informal healthcare payments, which is um, um, so widespread in in the Romanian healthcare system. Uh, so clearly, there's a place of dealing with this better at an individual level. Um, if we are to look at the at the systems level. Um, I'm, I'm afraid that I'm, I'm not that optimistic since that um, that is, is hugely influenced um, um, by the design of the system. So um, I would say that, um, and, and maybe I'm, I'm too pessimistic, uh, that um, whether we are Christian or not, um, we are quite powerless um, in, in front of this phenomenon in, in a system which is not well regulated, where uh, th there are no um, avenues to, to report that or to, to link it to any um, uh, mechanisms that the, the system um, has in place. Um, because, um, yeah, you know, there, um, quite, um, a couple of months ago, um, I have read an editorial with regards to uh, the need to uh, um, talk about uh, corruption in in health systems and um, it has been uh, written by by a team in the UK with uh, Professor Martin McKee and um, the, the the authors uh, basically make an inventory of the reasons for which we we do not hear this talk about corruption in health systems um, uh, that frequently and and they're uh, building the case for for um, an, an increased or a, a higher position on the agenda uh, about corruption in healthcare, uh, because 
Corruption in healthcare is maybe one of the areas when we realize that we speak about a healthcare system, and I want to to stress the word system um, because it, it it's not easy to just um, uh, flag out uh, something as being uh, corrupt or um, as um, um, containing some uh, conflict of interest because um, you really need to have the mechanisms to through which you can do that. Um, um, uh, of course, many times there are issues related to how do we define corruption. Um, sometimes uh, we see that some practices uh, do not seem very corrupt. And, and I'll, I'll just give you an example, and it's uh, familiar uh, to me in, in the Romanian healthcare system. Um, so historically, we've had low wages for healthcare workers. And um, of course, the situation has changed in, in the past one or two years, and it's getting um, uh, much better. But um, for a long number of years, informal healthcare payments have acted as um, as a mechanism to keep doctors and nurses in the country. So it, it, it's very difficult to draw a line uh, where uh, you have a, a corrupt practice, for instance, but which is working um, uh, to uh, maybe keep the system uh, um, in place to, to, to a certain extent. So where do we uh, uh, draw the line? Of course, it, it's really easy maybe to, um, as a Christian health professionals, to draw a line at an individual level. But when you look at, at, at the health system's level, things um, might be a bit more um, uh, complicated. And also, there's it's really difficult to do research on corruption. Um, I mentioned uh, to you about um, the, the study that I've worked on um, um, around 2010, and uh, we've explored informal healthcare payments from uh, both patients' perspectives and healthcare professionals' perspectives. And um, at the end, after we collected the data and we've um, taken a look at that, um, we've had all sorts of biases. Uh, that is mainly because uh, there was a, um, a strong bias in, in the participants. What we've seen is that health professionals who have um, accepted to take part in our study were people who were against informal healthcare payments. So, of course, you, you, you only had one part of the picture, one piece of the puzzle, because those who were um, more likely to accept uh, or to have a, a positive um, um, attitude towards informal healthcare payments, they did not accept to take part in the study. So it's very difficult to 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 do that. And of course, there is uh, barely any quantitative data collected from uh, for, um, uh, obvious um, reasons. And so um, something that the these authors of this editorial were mentioning is that how legitimate is to study corruption because. In in, in uh, um, systems which are uh, resource uh, scarce, such as um, many systems in low and middle income countries, you might say that there are other more um, uh, more urgent issues. Um, so um, clearly, it's it's um, um, difficult to to um, uh, you know align your individual um, efforts and your individual behavior um, to a, a more uh, um, systemic objective of the healthcare system. Yeah, you can take a stand as an individual, but it doesn't necessarily change the wider system unless there's political action and sort of commitment right the way up the up the line, as it were. 
Absolutely, absolutely. And um, yeah, if we were to look at, at the two forms, uh, specifically corruption and conflict of, of, of interest, maybe uh, speaking from uh, from a, um, an impact perspective, maybe in, in the area of conflict of interest, it um, it, it would make a, um, um, a greater impact to uh, to have this this position at an individual level to um, uh, stay away for, uh, from any situation that, that might lead to a conflict of interest or to report a, a situation when there's a conflict of interest once um, you have realized that you are in, in such a situation. Sure. And what kind of an impact does corruption actually have on, on we've, we've talked a bit about how it affects health professionals and the pressures that are put on the health professionals, but how does it actually impact on the health of individuals and indeed on, on the wider public health sphere because I can't imagine that it doesn't have some kind of skewing effect on the way that, that, that medicine and, and healthcare is delivered. Yes, absolutely. I mean, um, since since uh, these forms are, are so widespread and, and so diverse, of course, the, the effects um, are um, uh, diverse. Um, and we, we can speak about... Um, um, matters of um, inefficiency, which of course is reflected on on the quality of, of, of care of patients um, and, and all sorts of aspects. But what I really want to stress out is, is um, one of the things that to me is maybe um, the most significant, and that is um, access to care for patients. Um, and why that is relevant? Because um, every time we we are ill and we need to interact with the healthcare system, we are vulnerable, and um, we are vulnerable on so many levels. Uh, but then, when you are in that position and you get to interact with with a healthcare system that that is is pretending some more resources from your side, or maybe is is hindering your access uh, based on your ability to pay, then that I believe is is the uh, the, the the hardest um, that that um, is impacting the hardest thing that is impacting um, uh, the, the patients um, uh, because clearly that can um, delay treatment and that can lead to um, um, unnecessary deaths, avoidable deaths. Um, I have um, I have written um, um, a letter for the Lancet in 2017 reporting on such a situation um, in, in Romania. Um, uh, there there was um, um, a, a situation uh, that was that was brought to light um, in, in in the institution that is that is managing the the entire budget or, or um, um, a huge share of the budget in the Romanian healthcare system, where there there was a, a network including people in high positions in that institution, um, which were creating um, uh, fake files of patients that were requesting. Um, um, home care, um, many times for um, um, that was um, allocated to people uh, in terminal stages. So basically, what what that was creating was uh, th that patients who were in need of those services basically were um, left dying in in um, uh, waiting those services that were basically directed to to some uh, fraudulent individuals. Um, so that is the extent to which it, it, it can lead. Of course, maybe this is one of the most extreme situations, but, but nonetheless, um, it, it, it is a burdening 
people in in their efforts to um, uh, get services from the healthcare system. Yeah, so it really it does it weighs in the advantage of those who can afford to or are willing to pay bribes or informal healthcare payments or to to skew the system in other ways, doesn't it? And leaves those who are less able to do that less and less able to access services. Yes, it, it, it gives birth to so many inequities because, um, yeah, people uh, people are have different um, levels of um, uh, affordability to to pay out of pocket payments, um, especially in systems where where they they would not be um, uh, needed to pay uh, such payments because they 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 are insured in one way or another. Um, uh, so it, it it is leading to to uh, huge inequities, and in, uh, if we were to you know make reference to 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 these um, broader um, frameworks because we speak about uh, system development goals. And so we, we can say that really at, at a global level, it, it's impairing our efforts to see um, uh, affordable care and um, uh, to see the, um, um, uh, the idea of universal health coverage really threatened by, by these um, actions and behaviors. Absolutely. And it, it, I think as an individual or even as a, I suppose, a, a community of Christian health professionals, we can look at this and think, well, what can we do? I mean, we might be able to stand up for um, non-corrupt values. We might be able to make a stand in, in our, our place of work. But what kind of difference can we ultimately make then? If, if so much of this is going to have to change at political, at commercial, at professional, at public policy levels in so many different ways, what kind of an influence can we have to, to to change this and challenge this in the situations we find ourselves? Um, I believe there is a lot that we can do. And um, in, in no particular order, I just want to, to begin with the fact that we have to talk about this. We have to talk about corruption and, and conflict of interest in, in healthcare because it is a reality. It is happening. Of course, the extent to which it is happening, for instance, there might be, uh, and, and there are, of course, differences between the UK and Romania, for instance, and, and Romania and some other countries. Um, and maybe it, it, it comes in, in different shapes, in different systems. But nonetheless, what um, research shows and what we have experienced as individuals is that corruption is happening and we must speak about corruption in in healthcare systems so this is something that that we especially as christians need to do because we we are called to um uh, speak the truth and of course um there is no way in which we can have an impact in in reducing either the level of corruption or exposure to corruption if we are not admitting that it is happening and of course, then um, other than that, um, I guess there are two two levels again on which we can uh, address this issue as uh, as Christians. First of all, at an individual level, as um, um, especially healthcare workers, um, um, of course, um, when it comes um, um, to informal healthcare payments or. Um, um, be, or people put in, in the position where they need to make decisions, of course, uh, we are called to, to refuse any kind of bribe or um, um, any kind of uh, situation in which we might um, have our uh, the decisions influenced by um, um, 
other factors that are external to, to our environment. Um, so this is something that we can do. I mean, in, in um, each one of us in our workplace it is called to do to do that, to behave with integrity and and to reflect Christ in, in our um, in our um, day to day behavior. Um, and then the second level is the uh, the system level, and um, of course, again, this um, th- this um, this can vary from one system to another. But what I have seen that is particularly useful is um, to come up as um, as groups of, of Christian health professionals and uh, just speak about these things and, and share experiences, and then um, uh, try to. Uh, to come up with um, uh, ideas and solutions that can be implemented uh, at a more systematic level. And um, as you um, uh, were mentioning um, at the beginning of our discussion, I I have been privileged to work with a group of people from the Christian Medical Fellowship um, on uh, exploring issues of uh, corruption and conflict of interest. And it, it, I mean, to to me, that was really useful experience and, and eye-opening because I, I could hear from uh, people in the working in very different settings um, um, how they experienced that or how they have seen um, uh, corruption and a conflict of interest and how it has been addressed. And it's really encouraging um, uh, just to see that um, you can, you really can fight these things and, and you can uh, be triumphant as um, um as, as a child of God in, in opposing these behaviors. Um, and, and I believe that this is one um, um, particularly um, effective avenue to, to come up a, a, as groups of professionals, as uh, Christian professionals to speak about these things and, and um, uh, think about them and then pray about them. I mean, there's so much power in, in prayer, um, either at an individual level um, to, to have wisdom um, uh, from God in, in particular situations um, and also to to be guided by by God in, in our efforts to um, um, to influence our healthcare systems for the better thank you Marius that's very helpful and, and encouraging and if people uh, are interested to see the paper that you worked on with the Christian Medical Fellowship it's available on the CMF website and we will have a link to that in the uh, podcast information that you can find online. And um, we will hopefully be seeing further um, papers and blogs and articles coming out exploring some of these issues in uh, the months and years to come. Marius, thank you very much for your time this afternoon. And um, is there any sort of final words that you would like to say to encourage those listening to this podcast to think about how they can stand for Christ in this kind of situation. Um, yeah, th- thanks very much. Um, uh, thanks so much for, for having me, um, uh, Stephen. It's been a pleasure um, uh, speaking with you. Um, I believe that what what, what would be one thing that I, I would encourage everyone is just to um, um, take Take um, um, some time and, and think about um, everyone's situation in, in their workplace, in, in, in the place where uh, God has placed us, and see what could we do differently in terms of maybe uh, paying more attention to what's happening um, around us, um, maybe taking um, uh, taking a 
a more um, open position to any uh, potential conflict of interest or um, a situation where there's um, um, an act of corruption. Um, you know, many times it, it's easier just to ignore these things. And um, um, to, to, a, to, a, to some extent, we can say, oh, well, what can I do about that? But um, if we are in a specific place, it, it is my belief that God has placed us there. And, and so he, 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 he knew ahead of time that we will be exposed to that. And I guess that it is um, every one of us calling um, uh, to just um, be faithful to where we are and um, um, identify any any of these situations and uh, be bold and be be open to to just speak about them or uh, uh, try to address them um, to the best extent that we can do. Thank you, Marius. Be faithful, be bold, look around you and see what's going on and what you can challenge and how you can make a stand in your place of work. Thank you very much, and um, uh, we'll hopefully get a chance to talk to you again, Marius. Sure. Thank you. Thanks, Steve. Join us again in a couple of weeks for another edition of the First Incision podcast from CMF. And in the meantime, take some time to go to your podcast provider of choice and um, rate the First Incision. It not only helps encourage us, but it actually helps other people to find this podcast. Thank you very much, and see you in two weeks' time. (music) 